Hello and welcome to a special episode of Draw, Lose or Draw. I'm joined by David Forrest. David, hello, how are you? Hello, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, yep. And I'm also joined by the Partick Thistle manager from 2018 to 19, Gary Caldwell. Gary, how are you? I'm fine, I'm fine, thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on, Gary. We'll start at the start at Thistle for you. What made you want the Thistle job? Did you consult anyone before you took it? No, it was, I was obviously out of work. I was eager to get back into to management. I had made a really bad decision going to, to Chesterfield. So I was there was other jobs that had come up that, that I hadn't, hadn't really interested me in. Uh, when Partick Thistle came up, it was a club I'd obviously known from my time, obviously growing up in Scotland and playing in Scotland. And I knew Jerry Britton kind of loosely. Uh, and it was a club that interests me just because of its history, because of where it was. It was obviously in a league that, that it shouldn't be. And that was why I got in touch with Jerry uh, to, to see what was happening with the job. And then, then it went from there in terms of the interview process and, and got the job and was delighted to, to get the job and work for such a great club in Scotland. Did you have any reservations about it before you took it? Uh, not at all, no. When, when, when I met the board... Uh, I, I met Jerry first of all and got on great with him. Felt like as a CEO, he'd be brilliant to work with. And then uh, the first interview, met the, the rest of the board and was really impressed by them, by what they had to say, by the club. It was obviously in a difficult situation. I think any time a club gets relegated, it's very difficult to take over that situation because the, the club has been losing games for a longer period of time. So you have to change the dynamic and, and try and change that very quickly. But apart from that, I was excited uh, to, to work with, like I said, the board, Jerry, and, and the group of players that were there. The club statement when you were announced as manager said that in your interview, you pre- presented a plan for each player and a vision to get the club back into the Premiership. Do you want to shed some light on some of the details of that? Yeah, it's, it's, it makes me laugh, this one. It's a big thing and with, with Thistle fans. I actually didn't present or I had no presentation. I didn't show a presentation to, to the board. I had analysed the, the football club in terms of the playing side of the football staff. Uh, every player I had analysed, I had looked at how they were playing and felt like there was different things in regards to defensively was probably the biggest thing on how we kind of stopped conceding goals and how we counter-press uh, and basically told them my beliefs on on how to build a, a successful cl- football club and what what's needed to be done on a daily basis to, to try and create that. And we're obviously impressed by it and, and gave me the job. Uh, and then we, we went to work on, on trying to make that make that happen. I think Martin Keown's comments on TalkSport last week gained a bit of traction from Thistle fans. I know you've been quite open and honest and say that you did isolate some players from training. Was this part of your your plan from the start? Did you give players a chance or was this what you were going to do from the outset? Uh, Not at all, no. To be honest, when this came up and and I made the comments, I can live with people you know, saying stuff, questioning me. I've lived with uh, that opinion my, my whole life as a, as a football player and a football manager. So I've, I've no problem with people giving opinion on, on myself. When the opinion 
grows arms and legs and is, is fabricated and there's a few lies chucked in there, then that's when, for me, it becomes wrong and, and I have to kind of stand up for myself in that situation. In terms of, I came into the club, everyone had a, a clean slate. Everyone was, in my eyes, was, uh, was somebody I wanted to work with, was somebody I wanted to see what their attitude was like and what their... Uh, desire was to play for the football club and, and implement the ideas that I had to to try and move the club forward. After winning, I think it was one game we won in the first 10 or 11, uh, I, I quickly realised that, that certain players won't, weren't going to come on that journey with us. And I, and I had to then, in January, find a way to, to change the dynamic of the squad and change the the results uh, or, or that the team were getting, not just in my tenure, but the, the, the start of the championship season and the previous season in, in the Scottish Premiership. Uh, so I had to be pretty ruthless in that. It wasn't something that we did easily. It was something we spoke about and realised that it wasn't a nice thing to do, but we felt like it had to be done. Having spoke to people at the club, who had had the same situation with certain players in the summer, then we felt we had to be a bit more proactive to, to try and get these, those, those players out. And that's the road we went down. In terms of for how long it was, it wasn't six weeks. It was actually probably more like three weeks. In terms of where they went to train, they went to train at Lock Inch, which was a facility that the first team used on occasion. And the academy used and, and is a perfectly good facility for anyone that, that's been down there. So that was why I felt that some of the things that he said were, were actually wrong. We never once said the players could go home and called them back to, to make things more difficult for them. We basically put them with, with a group of players to train every day and, and kept them away for, for the first team that, that we were going to take forward and, and try and get, get us the results to to make the club successful. Obviously, we are from the outside looking in, so we maybe don't know the ins and outs of all football clubs day to day, but it does seem quite drastic from a fan's point of view, sort of isolating players like that. In your time at the club with that sort of situation or any situation, maybe transfers, players you let go, did the board ever intervene and say, hang on, wait a minute, that's maybe not something you should be doing? Everything I did, and this is why I, I loved working uh, with the board and, and and for the football club. It was very open. It was the best board I, I've ever worked with and probably ever seen even from, from a playing uh, history. But the honesty and the openness was, was there always. There was a direct line with obviously Jerry every day. Jackie was I was in contact with several times a week. Uh, we had a board meeting every four weeks where we could could bring up certain things or certain things that was going to happen. So uh, the whole process, we were we were all involved in it. Ultimately, I was employed as the manager to make decisions on the football side and the best interests of, of the football club, and that was that was the decision uh, that we came to. What was the backlash from the players like when they were told that they didn't have a future? Did they have a problem? Did they accept it? And obviously, it's Martin Keown that sort of raised this issue again. Has he ever contacted you directly about this? Never contacted me directly. The players accepted the decision. They obviously weren't happy with it, uh, but that was the decision. I spoke to all the players to let them know face to face, and and that was it. They they 
had the option to, to stay at the football club. They had the option, you know, the, the, the financial implications were all, Jerry was in control of that and, and looked at kind of offering them different packages throughout that process. But it was very much, you know, they, they, they could come and see me whenever they wanted. If they wanted to discuss anything, I was I was still there to discuss anything from with them. It wasn't like we, we said, you go there, we just never speak to you again. If they wanted to come and speak to me, the door was always open. I think David's got some questions about meet the manager nights. Yeah, so I, I'm really interested in the meet the manager nights because I, I've, I've said to people, if you... You don't really get that at other clubs. If, like, say a Premier League club did that, like a Sean Dyche or something like that, or even like a Pep or something like that, just had a meeting where, you know, they had, like, fans come in, they just discuss their tactical approach and stuff like that. I think that would be big news, and you don't really get that anywhere. And you just came up with this idea, and I really enjoyed the meet manager nights. Who, whose idea was that? Was that yours or was that the board's? How did that come about? Uh, first, the, the managers can't be great at PowerPoints for a start. That's maybe why they don't. <laughs> Uh, it, it was something we, we spoke about. I actually showed the board something just before Christmas in terms of how we were playing, the reasons behind the, what we were trying to do and the reasons behind why we were losing matches and tried to show them, rather than just kind of show them the game, show them the, the stats and different things behind it and the different things we were working on. I then showed them the recruitment for January that was needed to try and change the results based on these numbers, based on the games. And and it was after that, I can't remember if it was Jerry possibly, that said we should maybe do a night. And again, the board discussed it, I discussed it. And, and they said, would you be comfortable with that? And, and I was very much trying to bring the club together, bring, you know, the, the players, the, the staff, the board and the supporters together because I... Anytime I've had success in my, in my career as a player or as a manager, it's because everyone is pulling in the same direction. If you get one part of that cog that isn't pulling in the same direction or there's negativity around uh, that one part of it, then it's very difficult for success. So I was trying to, to pull everyone together and that was the reasons uh, for those nights. I think the first one was a Q&A and then the second one, we, we tried to dive deeper into why we do certain things and how we do it uh, to try and give the supporters a glimpse of, of the work that goes in on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, because I, I remember the second one was was a lot more. There was lots of graphs and stuff like that. And I remember we watched um, the Hearts uh, replays, I believe, where you, you can outlined, you know, who was the key threats and stuff like that and how you had uh, approached the game, which was very, very interesting. And obviously you mentioned about the Q&A now. I, I think, to be honest, you didn't have the best of luck in the terms of the dates that were scheduled for these, because I seem to remember everyone was around about sort of a time where I'm like, I can't wait to see what uh, people say to Caldwell because, you know, something's happened. I, I do vividly remember there was one at the start where I got quite heated and stuff like that. Were you ready for the fiery questions? Like in terms of, because obviously we, we know that people would be unhappy, you know, physical fans and football fans in general are always unhappy. Were you expecting the sort of, you know, sort of more fiery questions or were you expecting it to be a bit more tame and how did you prepare for that? I think I prepare as I always do. I'm, I'm, I think I'm quite an honest person and, and when I get asked these questions, I, I was never someone that shut away from giving an honest answer. I, I believe in football, 
there's certain, or in life actually, there, there's certain things that need to stay private, especially in, in that environment where I'm the manager within the dressing room, within private conversations in the manager's office, whatever that may be. Certain things have to stay private, which sometimes it makes it more difficult for the manager in terms of giving those stories to the supporters. But that is just my decision. Other managers might be different, but I believe that, that some things need to stay private for players' careers, really, because if certain things come out, then it can be detrimental to the players' career, and I'd never want to do that. So I have to be the one that stands up for the football club and as the face of the football club and occasionally take those those bullets for you know the, the players or, or other people within the football club. One one topic actually from the meeting the manager I specifically remember, I believe it was the second one, where you talked a lot about the culture of the club and the identity of the club and you'd you'd ask people to uh, think about what do you think of when you see Fisman's logo and you got the obligatory pish and shite and all that that you use, you would expect but um, you, you kind of talked about how you wanted to kind of rebrand the club in such a way in terms of um, sort of mould who what the club was and how and how it played and things like that what was your sort of idea behind that and how far did you get down that and the one thing that kind of struck me with it um, was that Obviously, it was kind of like in direct um, sort of, uh, not opposition, but sort of the, well, the opposite basically of what this had been bred under previous manager. And I just wondered, how did the, 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 the players react? And specifically the ones who had been, you know, in there with, during the championship season and kind of been with, you know, Archie for several years. How did they react to you sort of coming in and trying to rip up the rule book a little bit with that? Uh, what, what do you mean by that? The different under the the previous manager. So I mean, in terms of like you you specifically said about like how you were looking to sort of re rebrand and you know not rebrand but change how the club played and stuff like that and sort of the philosophy behind the club and things like that. And I wondered how how that had been taken by the, the previous players who'd maybe been under the previous manager. You know, had had played under a different philosophy. Did they sort of rush to the challenge or were they a bit more reticent and um, was that the same with players who were sort of new in uh, look I think every manager has a different philosophy and a different way of doing things and uh, I don't think one is better than another I think everyone has their own right to, to kind of do what they do in terms of I wasn't trying to change a, a great deal I was, what I was trying to draw on was I'm, I'm a big believer in identity and and the, the perception of of that identity, and when when I, I actually the, what I showed them was a a Mercedes badge, uh, a Man United badge, and a Barcelona badge, and I just tried to use those images and and the the feelings and the words that they create, and we actually had a good laugh. But when I put the Mercedes badge up, I said, "What do you think of?" And one of the players said, "A car," <laughs> which. The, the players all found funny and had a laugh. And I said, no, that's fine. That That's what he sees. I said, what else do you see? And and somebody said, you know, like class or elegance or style or whatever. And then we went on to Man United. And, and then I showed them a Thistle badge. And what I was trying to say was we, we wear that badge every single day. We wear it on a Saturday in front of the supporters. How do we want to represent that badge and I spoke to them about a thistle and, and what a thistle is and what it represents. And basically the players, I, I never 
put forward any of my opinions in this because I always want the players to have ownership of who they are and who they want to be. But the players gave me the, and they said that when they see a thistle badge, they think it's a bit soft, kind of cracks under pressure. And I said, well, how are we going to change that? Because a thistle is the opposite of that. A thistle is so far the opposite of that. And we have to represent our football club and represent that badge. So I was trying to change the mentality and, and trying to change who we were. And, and the badge was really the symbol that I tried to use to, to do that. Gary, can I ask you about the fans? David's obviously mentioned the fans nights there. How do you think you were treated by the fans? Obviously, coming in an ex-Celtic player, you'd just been um, sacked at Chesterfield. But you did do well at Wigan. You're in the, a, a Scotland icon. Do you think you were treated fairly? Do you think you had a good relationship with the fans? No, I, I don't think so. And I think it, it probably goes two ways. I, I think I'm somebody that my, my whole career as a player and as a manager, again, back to the honesty, I'm, I'm, you know, I make mistakes and I, and I hold my hands up when I do. So, so I'm not saying everything I did was right and the fans gave me a tough time. But it was difficult to, to create that relationship. The easiest way and the best way to create that relationship is by winning football games. And that is, you know, no matter who you are, if you do that, then you're going to have a better relationship. But early on, I didn't do that. Uh, on top of that, I had to make some big decisions on on players that obviously had been fans, fans favourites for, for a number of years. But everything I did, I, I said it before, I'll say it again, I did it with the best interest of the football club. And, and I... I've always done that again as a player or as a manager. I have always tried to represent the club uh, that, that I'm at in, in the best possible way. And, and every decision I took at that football club, I didn't take lightly. It was a lot of thought went into it. And, and I was trying to, to, like I say, change the dynamic of the football club. I had been losing for a while and I was trying to change that. And didn't get off to the best of starts and then tried to recover it. We recovered it briefly. But there was always a, a, a section of the supporters that probably, to be honest, if even if I had had success and won things, would never have turned around. And, and as, I, I'm sure I said it well, I was at the club. It doesn't really bother me. It makes things more difficult. I wasn't there to, to be liked. I was there to get success and, and give those supporters what they want, which is ultimately just to watch their team on a Saturday perform and win football matches. And, and that's what I was trying to do. But in terms of that relationship, I don't think it was obviously great. I think with some fans it was, uh, with others it wasn't, and others will probably be 50-50, and, and that's just life, I suppose. David, do you want to go on about the players? Yeah, well, it was yeah one or two qu- uh, players I wanted to ask about. The first one I wanted to ask about was um, uh, Mitch Austin, who I believe he signed, I believe it was deadline day, or it was very close to deadline day, and I believe, I, I could be wrong, I, I believe he wasn't at full fitness um, at the time. I remember you and Jerry speaking at the meeting manager meeting about about the player. You didn't name him, but you spent you mentioned him and you you held him in very high regard. Obviously, by the time he kind of became fit, and you'd left the club. But I was just wondering what was it that you saw in him, and how did you feel that he would have fit into the team if he'd got a chance? The big thing he had was was pace and, and power, and we, we didn't really have a player like that. Uh, Fitzy probably when I first came in was that. Uh, maverick type player who 1v1 situations and 
and had that ability to to run up the pitch with with the ball or without the ball. Uh, and we didn't really have someone like that. And we felt, you know, having watched the videos, having done as much background checks as we could, that he was a player that physically, in terms of speed and power, uh, he could change the, the dynamic of our team. And when he came, he, he had a little injury that we, we thought was going to be okay, but then it had setback after setback, and, and he didn't really get to that fitness. So we, we again, it was a, a, a risk, but a calculated risk uh, that, that didn't really come off. I can I can kind of see that from like the sort of limited games that we've seen of him. I know he only kind of played the like sort of reserve games and stuff, and maybe one or two uh, first team appearances. But no, I can I can totally understand in terms of the speed and the pace and stuff like that. With players like Mitch as well, I had one at, at, at a player similar at, at Wigan called uh, Yannick Wiltshire. You have to play them a specific way, and and you have to get the ball to them in, in certain areas of the pitch, and allow them to to show that that their attributes off. So. In, in terms of asking Mitch to go up and down the pitch, or he wasn't that type of player, we were going to use him specifically to be the kind of the end product to, to our possession and, and try and hurt teams with his pace. So that that was the thinking behind behind bringing him to the club. One other player I wanted to mention, uh, it's been obviously quite vocal in the past, was um, uh, Suleiman Koulibaly, who obviously struggled to uh, make a foothold in the first team. Um, with yourself, I know there was lots of wranglings at, at first when he first came to the club and stuff like that. I just wanted to get a, a little bit of opinion from yourself about how how you think it all uh, panned out and if anything could have been done differently. Yeah, I got I got on great with Saul when I was when I was with him. I think like all players who leave a football club, they leave with a, a grievance, they leave with anger towards someone. Uh, m- more often than not, that would be the manager. But we saw. I came in, he, he came on the first game uh, against Alawa, he came on other games, then he had a bad knee injury uh, that was assessed. Uh, the physio uh, at the time said it was it was quite a serious injury and we had to really watch him, which we did, we took a lot of care with him. Then Saul went and got his own, he was adamant that his knee was fine. He went and got his own scan, which still showed damage, but he, he said it was fine. I had a, a really quite emotional conversation with him about it. We tried to help him through that period in training. He didn't look comfortable, and he just he, he just didn't look at any point like he could contribute for any great period of time. And that was the the sadness for us because having when you watch Saul's clips from Kilmarnock and, and previous games, when, when I came to the club, he was somebody that was very much in my plans and, and really excited me. That, that he's somebody we could get in the team and, and can cause teams problem and score goals. But as it conspired with injuries and different things, we, we, we could never get him on, on the park enough for, for any period of time. Uh, so obviously, like, it's, it's a bit of a funny subject, we understand. But um, we, we obviously had to mention about the... You, you kind of touched on it earlier in uh, regards to um, you know releasing players that were fan favourites. So obviously, um, Chris Erskine leaving in January and then Chris Dolan being uh, released at the end of the season came as a great shock to uh, to the fans just because of their long tenure with the club. Obviously, you would have probably known uh, <laughs> they would have made you quite unpopular, you know, uh, letting those players go. Is, is there anything you feel you could have done differently about the situation or do you, um, are any regrets or anything about the way that they were handled or anything like that? Well, take them both in isolation. I think that'll be easier. In terms of Chris 
Erskine. He was somebody, again, excited to work with, to see. He started a, a few games early. or He started one, I think he was injured, on the Monday after in a few days. I think it was the Thursday he came back to train that first week, so he didn't play the next game. And then he was kind of in and out the team from there. I felt he was a player that probably needed a change. I felt he was a player that had, had been twice at Thistle. He'd obviously been at the club when it was relegated. He then had, had an average start to the season. And I just felt it was in both their best interest that, that he leave. And financially, it suited us to then bring in other players. For him, it was a fantastic move to Livingston. Uh, I had one chat with him on the, the pitch at Lesser Hamden, which what was said will remain between us. But obviously, he thought one thing, I was saying another. We had that a disagreement in views. There was nothing in terms of... You know, it wasn't like it was real kind of anger towards each other. It was a disagreement. And then, you know, it was in the best interest. I felt he wanted to play games. I said there wouldn't be as much opportunities as he would like. And he left the club to go to, to Livingston. And with, with every player that leaves, I genuinely hope they go and do well. Genuinely. Because I understand how difficult football is. I understand how diff- difficult a career it is. And I want every player to thrive and, and enjoy their football and, and play. So whenever anyone left, I wished them the, the best. And, and he went on to Livingston. And since leaving, he scored one goal at Livingston and is now playing for East Colbride. So in terms of what I've seen, then, then they were the reasons why I, I thought I want to change the dynamic of this football club and, and bring younger players, hungrier players, more dynamic players. And, and that was the reason for Chris. In terms of the supporters, the, the question that, that, that really kind of always came to me, if that was another player who hadn't been at the club so long, there wouldn't have been the same feeling because he, he wasn't doing what he had done previously at the club on the pitch. So from, from, again, from like I said at the very beginning, as a manager, my job is to get the best team on the pitch and to get players on the pitch that are going to help us win games. And I felt like we needed a change in that department. In terms of from the supporters' point of view, what the question I would ask you, what 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 made you, made you want me to keep him at the club? Part of it, from I think our point of view, is his longevity. I think you are right. He probably wasn't at his best that season. But I think as well, even now this season, since he's gone, we've still missed that number 10. And... Obviously, you play different systems just, from different managers. Sorry, I was just going to, just to stop you there, I very rarely play with an out-and-out out number 10. And, and you probably, Chris Erskine probably is that. I think coming off a, a side, he's OK, but he probably is an out-and-out out 10. So another reason why he didn't really fit into to how we were going to play. I think maybe if at the time it came out that you didn't have space for a 10, obviously on the pitch... It, it did, because you never really played a 10. You played a 3-5-2 in the second half of that season. But I think if somebody, maybe yourself, maybe an assistant and in an interview said, we're playing 3-5-2, he'll not get game time. It was a sort of cloudy. It was, oh, did you ever fall out? Are you trying to sort of distance yourself from Archie's era and Archie's players? I think that was what angered fans more than the actual decision. Because I think if somebody came out at the time and said, you did it, they meet the managers with stats. Here are his stats. 
they aren't good enough and he doesn't fit my system, I think it would have been more accepted. Like I said at the beginning as well, I, I make mistakes. Like people make mistakes in terms of, you know, how that gets gets put to the supporters and, and how they how they get that information. So, you know, I, I always hold my hand up and I've analysed everything that I did at the club uh, over and over and I always think that you can learn from these situations and be better from them. But uh, the the reasons I think ha- have been justified. I, I would certainly say on that. I think if you spoke to most Thistle fans, say after the relegation season, but when you took charge, I think most uh, Thistle fans would have been in agreement that Erskine, Dylan, um, not Lawless because he'd left, but those three had kind of we had relied on them for a long, long time, possibly to our detriment. And I think that we did need something to kind of refresh it. I don't think we could consistently rely on Dylan and Erskine. Um, all the time because they were not the same players that they were in the championship or even the first premiership season. I do still feel that like you know they obviously they had a role to play in the club, but obviously I know I'm not the manager. Um, you know that's obviously down to yourself, and you know that that's understandable. But yeah, no, I um, I, I can totally understand that. But yeah, I would agree with Matt. It seems that it very much there was a cloud over how how it came about. Were they actually happy? What was it? You know, a sort of a consensual split. Where was there a sort of dissent or whatever in the dressing room, or whatever stuff like that? I think maybe because those questions were unanswered, that's why a lot of fans felt you know aggrieved by it. Oh, I, I, I totally agree with you. And like I said, you know, I made mistakes, probably the club made mistakes in how we put that out to supporters. I, I met Chris at Chris Doolan's uh, night at the club and had a chat with him about Livingston. And, you know, I, I genuinely have no bad feeling to, towards any of these players. Uh, and like I said, the, the bad feeling probably comes on their side because they feel harshly treated. I've been there myself. I've been you know, released from Newcastle as a kid and, and it hurts. Uh, but what you have to do as a footballer is, is go and do something about it and, and prove those people wrong. Gary, do you want to speak about Chris Doolan? I think you did play two strikers up front and I think if you were to ask us why fans were so upset about that, it's obviously the same reasons as Erskine. He's a, a club icon. But I think what also upsets fans about Doolan is probably the personnel that come in to replace him, obviously Kenny Miller was a good signing at that level, but Lewis Mansell and Alex Jones didn't really live up to it. Do you want to speak about your, that decision? Again, that the decision was football-related. I didn't feel he was contributing enough. I felt like for his career, the change of scenery would, would do him good. Uh, I, I think, I, I'll go before I let Doolin go, I, I think probably one of the best strikers that's played for the club I brought to the club was, was Scott McDonald and he was and in a short period of time had an unbelievable impact on, on the football club the goals he scored, the performances he had and, and what he did and he was a big target to sign that summer and try and keep him on but obviously he went back to Australia and then Kenny Miller again the, the time I was there, I'm not looking at the time after I was there, but the time I was there, massive contribution in terms of goals, massive contribution in the changing room and, and the professionalism he showed. In terms of the other two players you mentioned there, Lewis Mansell was a young player who was bought as a development type player. We felt like with hard work, with coaching, he, he has potential. He was never bought to, to really or brought in to, to be a, a, a first-team player. Alex Jones was a player who I knew from England who had had, had 
good spells at, at different clubs and had injury problems as well. So he was brought in to be that main striker with Kenny, but w- was obviously wrist attached. I think always when when always when you're buying a football player at any level, there's there's negative to that player, and it's how you best kind of bring out the best and bring out the positives in that player. And unfortunately, Alex got injured uh, just just before I, I left the club as well. But I think he was a player that uh, wasn't up to full speed, really fitness-wise, and didn't really get up to full speed because of because of injuries. So th- those those were the reasons why. Uh, in terms of how those players done, like I said, I thought Scott McDonald was was incredible and fantastic goals return. Kenny Miller. In my time at the club, great goals return and and great professionalism from from both of them, uh, and they were they were the reasons why they, those players were bought in. And again, Chris Doolan, since he's left the club, has has scored four goals, one one of them against ourselves when we had nine men. So <laughs> that was the reason. And if if these players had went on and and done magnificent and and been a a, a, a revelation at the clubs they'd went to. I could sit here and, and again, I'm, I'm not one to to hide my mistakes. I, I would sit here and say, look, I hold my hands up. I got it wrong. It was too early. They still had more time at the football club. But unfortunately, I don't think the the numbers suggest that. Gary, I was going to ask you a couple of decisions you made early, earlier than that in your tenure. And it maybe ties into the sort of Erskine and Doom decisions too. I think there was a game at Capelo, we were 2-1 down at half-time and you moved Christy Elliott into centre-back and played a uh, young Andy McCarthy at right-back. And I think it was a couple of weeks later, you subbed Mutumbu off at Hill a minute before half-time. Decisions like this, and it maybe ties into the, the transfers of releasing players as well, are these purely football decisions or do you ever make a decision or did you ever make a decision at this? So you think, I want to make a point here, whether it be to the squad or to the board? In terms of the first one, the it was a five-one game. That was a, a bad game of football, <laughs> if I'm being brutally honest. Uh, we were terrible uh, at halftime. We we looked at a number of different options. We felt like the centre backs we had to get one of them or or both of them off, and we decided to to put Christie in. We felt like his physicality in the middle would be okay. We felt like Andy could get on the ball and use his passing ability from fullback. Did it work? No. And like I said, I'm I'm very open to to look at myself first and and analyse those situations and say no, it didn't work. Uh, but it was my third game at the football club. I was still getting to know the players as people. I was still getting to understand the the players in terms of their strengths and, and weaknesses within the game and we, we got that one wrong but we learned quickly from it and from those experiences we, you then make decisions and you have to move on and deal with the, the situations to, to allow you uh, more options and, and better players to pick from to, to give you better options in, in those difficult moments. So the Matumbu one as well, did, was that purely football or was that to send a message? That one, Kersey was actually, he done well to keep him on that long. That one, uh, I was ready to make the substitution earlier. Kersey said to take the emotion out of it and think about it and make sure it was right. And then 
I don't think it was a minute before half time. Was it that close? Uh, but yeah, I think it was it, pretty it much was very close. Minute, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, like I said, he was he was due to come off earlier that, than that. It was to, to change the dynamic of the game. Yes, to send a message to the players, n- never to send a message to the board, but to send a message to the players to say that it's unacceptable in terms of I can I can live with players giving the ball away, I can live with players making mistakes, but in terms of the effort and energy and 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 trying to implement the the plan that we've we've worked on all week, if that's not carried out, then 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 I wasn't going to accept it. I've done it before actually. I actually done it at Wigan when we were playing the second last game of the season. We, it was the day we won promotion. Uh, we were playing Blackpool away and I actually took off Sam Morsey, who went on to be uh, Wigan captain. And he was a player that I signed for Wigan. And after 35 minutes, I took him off and put a winger on. And that, that was my decision. And we, and we went on to win the game. So I think... As a manager, when, when you feel like something isn't working or you, you feel like the, the player isn't given everything, then you, you have to make those decisions and, and you, you kind of deal with the aftermath. I obviously had to speak to Andre and say, look, you know, this is the reason why uh, after it and, and, and try and get him back on side. But uh, at that time, I felt that, like it needed it. And, and it was a game we went on to win. Thanks for that, Gary. I think David's got one more question and then I've got one more question, if that's OK. No problem. Yes, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, um, obviously, the at the time, it was quite heavily publicised about uh, some unorthodox training regime, specifically the SES training day, which made sort of news on the BBC and stuff like that, of everyone kind of honing in on it and going, you know, what was going on with that? I just wanted to get your thoughts on the SES training day, how you went through it, and what was the reason behind it, how you felt the players reacted. Obviously, there's some controversial stories about players reacting different ways and stuff like that do you have any general thoughts on the SES training day about how it went and do you feel like do you still feel it was a good idea just my, my question to you why is it unorthodox <laughs> well um I mean it's just a, it's not something I say unorthodox I mean it's not something we hear of in the Scottish football very often it may very well happen we just don't hear about it but I think it was just a case of it was pretty it was uh, portrayed in the media of, you know, Patrick Fissel have done an SES training day, why have they done this? And, you know, sort of, it just, it just seemed very out of the norm and the general tone of it from the media was that everyone was kind of like, we've never seen this before. And certainly I'd never heard of it before. So, it's yeah, so, just been real. So my next question is, if something has never been done before, and, and by the way, it has, I'm, I'm pretty sure Gareth Southgate took England very very soon after he took over England, took them to the Marines. Mm-hmm. So a manager who has rightly so been, you know, plaudits left, right and centre, did, did the exact same thing. Uh, so that's my kind of, it's not unorthodox. I'm not the first manager to do it. And and the reasons behind doing it are are, are pretty obvious, I, w- I would think. No. Uh, do, oh no. Yeah. No. I, I can understand. You know, sort of team building, making people, uh, you know, react to situations they're not used to and stuff like that. I know. I can understand that. Yeah. So, do, do you feel that? Like, do you have any specific memories of the SAS training in terms of 
how players reacted and stuff that do you feel that it worked do you feel that it brought the team closer and um, it made them react to situations that they wouldn't necessarily be under and do you think that it helped them in terms of being able to cope with these sort of pressure situations a hundred percent a hundred percent I did it at Wigan and, and actually to be honest at Wigan it wasn't as good because of Robert Mackay who is a, a Partick Thistle supporter I was actually looking for some kind of team building day or or a different environment. I think footballers are kind of pre-programmed. You come into training, you're in the training ground environment, you're comfortable. And I wanted to try and take the players out of their comfort zone and try and broaden their mind uh, to to what was possible. And and fortunately, Robert Mackay actually wrote, as I was looking at these things that were costing thousands and thousands of pounds and Jerry was was going to have a heart attack every time I, I took a different one up to him. Robert Mackay wrote a letter to, to the football club. In fact, I was just texting him the other day. I still keep in touch with him. He wrote a letter saying he'd watched the team for years. He felt like he could help with the team building. He, he felt like he could help with the decision-making on the pitch. And I was delighted. I, I literally phoned him as soon as I finished reading the letter. And then he came to the club to watch a game, to watch me during the game, to watch me in the changing room, to watch the players. And then he came back to to come up with a plan and said, what do you think of doing this kind of thing? And I added bits, he added bits, and and we came up with the the plan for the day. And I think all the players would have got something from that day. It was a totally different environment. We all learned different things. And we all came out of it stronger and as a group uh, better from that day. And I think I think that that day in particular goes to show that the, the type of negativity that was surrounding the football club. And a thing that I felt was really positive, had a positive impact, it, it somehow got turned around to, to be a negative thing when I'm not the first person to do it. Gareth Southgate's done it. Loads of other managers have done it. Loads of other managers have tried different things to to get the group together. That was my way of trying to bring a group of people together who weren't performing to their maximum, who weren't getting the results that they should have been getting, and we were trying to do something to change that. And and from that came a lot of negativity publicly and, and amongst the supporters when really it should have been a positive thing to say my club is, is trying to do something different to, to change results. Gary, just to finish, can I ask you, just in general, how would you sum up your time at the club? And if you could do it again, what would you do differently, if anything? This could take an hour, this question, <laughs> to answer <laughs> that. Uh, it was a roller coaster, really. I, I, I absolutely loved it because of the people that I met, to be honest. Uh, in terms of the the board, uh, Jackie Lowe, Ian Dodd, Ruffy, Michael Robertson, Brian Donald, uh, and latterly Duncan Smiley, obviously Jerry Britton working with him every day. They were the fantastic people who really care about Partick Thistle and really every decision they make isn't made lightly. They make it with the best intentions for the football club. And I'm delighted to see them back because really the big change in in my time at the football club, because I felt like even although the league form 
at the start of the season wasn't good enough. We'd obviously done extremely well in the, the cup and, and got ourselves a great cup tie at, at Celtic Park. The board change in, in July was a huge shock uh, for one, but a, a big change to, to what we were trying to do as a football club and the difference from the people that came in to the people that, that were there and are, are fortunately now back there at the football club was huge because there was no communication, there was no honesty. I felt like they were in back at the club for selfish reasons. We had a, 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 an amazing, strange day when, when Barnsley, people who own Barnsley, an American, I can't even remember the guy's name, came to the football club for a day and was never, ever, ever going to get involved in buying the football club, but still came for the day to, I don't know why. And that was the big change in the football club in, in my time. But like I said, those those good people are now back at the club and doing the best they can for the club. And in terms of the staff that I had, obviously Brian, I knew and I brought him in, but um, Maka, Kenny, Arthur, Big Stato, who, who was in the media department, was a, an incredible guy incredible love for the football club and great attributes he came on board to help us with stats to help us with analyzing players we he set up a whole platform online like i said believe it or not i'm not great with computers uh, so he came in and set up a platform where we would put analysis of opposition we'd put analysis of scouting reports uh we'd put our own analysis of our own team, myself, Kenny, Brian and Jerry would analyse our own team. So we had a database that we could refer to and we were trying to take the club forward and take the club in, in a direction that, that I felt was, was going to get them success. And the disappointing thing for me was that, that like I said, that middle bit where, where the new board came in stopped all that happening and stopped us building the squad that, that we felt we needed the, to, to change uh, the dynamic of the football club and, and, and get us back to the Premier League and that was a sadness but like I said, still still in touch with a lot of the people and I think any experience uh, that you have, good or bad you, you have to take something from it you have to learn from it and you have to grow from it and, and my time at Partick Thistle, whilst obviously like you say, supporters might not remember it for, for anything special. I enjoyed it because of the people I met and, and the experience and the learning that I had. I know you said it might take you an hour, but if you could maybe pinpoint one decision or one day that you would do differently, could, could you do that? One day that I would do differently? Uh, I think actually I've analysed the, the, the Chris Doolan one where, where I didn't put him on at, at Queen of the South. In hindsight, I, I should have put him on, but there was other circumstances and other factors in my thinking that day. It was something we discussed and I didn't do it. And in hindsight, it was the wrong decision and I, and I regret that. Gary, thanks very much for your time tonight. It's been really interesting chatting to you. And all the best. Have a good Christmas and New Year. Oh, you too. Hopefully when when the, the crowds open again, I, I might try and get back to a game if I'm, if I'm allowed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but hopefully the, the club and the supporters get back in the stadium and, and support the club and, and they get back to the where they belong, which isn't obviously the, the league above. It's, it's the league above that and, and hopefully that happens in the, the not-too-distant future.
Thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Draw, Lose or Draw. I've been your host, Matt Greer, and I was joined by David Forrest and Gary Caldwell. As always, stay safe and wear a mask. Music